Good morning and welcome to the podcast Network Yourself to Success. My name is Yoni Neiman and today I'm here in Ramad Aviv, close to Tel Aviv. Um, I'm with Osnat Lautman, a well-known intercultural expert and the author of the best-selling book Israeli Business Culture. Um, I myself personally read it um, this summer and I really enjoyed it. There really were some insights, even though I've been here for 13 years and I thought I know everything about Israeli culture and business culture. It really put a lot of things in order and perspective. And um, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. And um, in your book, one of the, 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 the centerpieces of the book is, is your model of the Israeli, Israeli model with the acronyms Israeli. I-S-R-A-E-L-Y. <laughs> Can you give a small introduction to your model? Right. So first of all, I have been working as an organizational consultant since 2007. And just to say that in the last decade, I really do my or work with my expertise in cross-cultural communication. And in the last decade, I interviewed 350 people, actually, from all over the world. It started in the United States, but it moved to Europe, Africa, China, India, all over. And I asked people to share their experience working with Israelis. So you asked me about the acronym, but actually all the interviews is the data that I collected from others in order to build, actually, and use the seven main characteristics of the Israeli business culture. So actually what you said is that I used the word Israeli, in a way that each letter is the beginning of one of the Israeli characteristics. So it's I in the word Israeli for informal. And then S, straightforward, R, risk-taking, A, ambitious, E, entrepreneurial, L, loud, and the last I is improvisational. Um, so I can explain more if you want regarding each character. Sure, but I want to focus a little bit and zone in about, uh, this is a podcast mostly for Ulim about how to network in Israel. Um, which one of these characteristics is mostly important for Ulim or internationals coming to Israel and want to network and meet Israelis? So, of course, all of them, but if you want me to be more specific, so I think the two, first one, which is I, informal, and then as straightforward, it's mainly for interviews, small talks, to understand the informality, not only in the way that we dress, but also in the way we communicate with one another. And also the last I, which is improvisational, this is more into the business arena, understanding that in Israel we have, um, we have a good idea and execution. The part of the process that many other cultures use, it's something that we don't put too much attention into it. So we skip the process. We have a good idea and then we just go for it. I see. And what would you say is the most challenging then for William to, to, to get used to of those? Um, I think the informality, have you heard about the term power distance? Yes, you did. So, uh, Get off stated. Yeah, right, right. So um, nobody can see your gestures, Yoni. You're kind of nodding. Yes, I know. That's well, you know. <laughs> true, that's true. Um, so yeah, Gareth Hofstadter, he spoke about differences between cultures. And one of the dimensions that he mentioned is power distance, which is the degree of importance that you give to someone that is older than you, senior than you. Well, in Israel, we get the lower rank, which is 13 
So let's say a lot of new Alim coming from Russia, for example. And Russia has one of the highest rank in power distance in Ofshede, about 90. That's the, that's the rank. So can you compare someone that arrived from a society that gives so much respect to senior people, uh, to older people, and then they need to communicate in a place when you can approach your manager and tell him in front of other people, well, you made a mistake. Yeah. Or from the other side, the manager will come to you and tell you, well, you know how to do it. Well, do it. And then you're just sitting in the office and you need to think for yourself, kind of empowerment that you never used when you back in Russia, for just for example. I think that's the main challenges, actually, that people... The informality. The informality. And, and, and how does that translate into... Again, what is expected of you uh, in the workplace? When someone gets, you get an assignment, you get an area of, of, of responsibility. How does that translate to? So you, you're asking what the manager expects from yeah, the employees. Exactly. Um, so I can call it a, a can-do mm-hmm. attitude, meaning that you, the manager, will tell you to do something with so not many specification. Where it's going to be general idea. And you need to have a can-do attitude, meaning with a lot of passion and commitment and understanding that you need to do almost everything in order to achieve that specific goal. But also understanding that if you made a mistake or you need uh, help from someone, you can approach other people and discuss it with others in, in understanding that it's also a teamwork. And it's not okay to the, say that you don't know It's okay and to consult say, with, with right. your colleagues at work. But not forever. I mean, it's fine to say, well, I need your help. But then you need to learn from your mistakes. It's not only doing mistakes and the approach of, yes, it's okay to fail, but also learning from your failures. Okay. So, which is different. Now, you were talking about power distance in that, but now you're also dealing with one of the other characteristics, which is risk, (laughs) kind of like the the, the fact that in Israel, it's okay to fail, as you say, and try something out. So, which characteristics is that related to? I think it comes with a combination of three of them. So it was R, risk-taking, A, ambitious, and E, entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And to my understanding, it's one unit because an entrepreneur is someone that will do everything in order to reach his or her specific goal with a lot of risk-taking and ambition. And the failure or the understand that you can fail and learn from your failures, it's it's part of this three uh, characteristics of being an entrepreneur and, and to take a risk during the way to your success. Yeah. And, and and so the whole point, as I see it, and maybe I've got it wrong, but as I see it is that this whole these characteristics is kind of like expected from you in the workplace by an employer, uh, in, for an employee, that he has, the employee has to basically, he can ask for questions, it's open, you can ask for questions, you get a responsibility, right. you get an assignment, you can... Um, you you are okay to ask for for questions and consult all your all your colleagues. In the end of the day, you have to. It's your it's your field, and it's okay if you make mistake in it. It's okay, uh, and you need to take responsibility. Yeah, meaning that you should accomplish the best the best uh, uh, output that you can do. But again, it's okay to ask. But there is a again a, a limit, limit of a how limit. much you can do it. Right. So. How does this informality take these characteristics, which is the main thing that most Olim have a, have a challenges with? 
in different contexts. So you have the context we just talked about now in the workplace, but what about in interviews? When you go to a job interview and and the, the type of questions you get asked. Um, right. So it's really mixed. I mean, the personal, there is no actually personal space. They can ask you personal questions. I know when I speak with the Israelis HR, they will tell me, well, we're not allowed to ask personal questions like age or if you married or not or why you left the other job. It's, it's too personal. Even though that they will not admit that they do it, I've heard more than once that they keep on doing it. So let's say someone will ask you questions that you don't really want to answer, right? Like, uh, I don't know, how old are you? Do you have children? Are you single? Are you married? Right, and so on. Where's your parents live? (laughs) Right. Why you made Aliyah? Yeah, Uh, that's Uh, a question you get a lot, by the way. Well, uh, you weren't happy in your own country, right? <laughs> uh, if I could just add the, the right question to it, the right answer to that is this is a trick question. All Israelis ask you about that, like, why did you make Aliyah? And and usually they also say, uh, like, so uh, why would you make Aliyah from Denmark? Why would you make Aliyah from the U.S.? It's so great there. But what they want you to say is, like, no, this is the best place in the world. And Israel. They want Israel. And they want you to kind of, like, um, confirm that for, for them. Like, say that. and But they will try and... and <laughs> <laughs> they will try they challenge and you. challenge you on it. Like if I was you, I would go any anytime back, but they don't really mean that. Well, um, so you, I'm, I'm just thinking about what to answer when somebody asks you personal questions and you feel that it's too pushy for you. Um, one of the main topics regarding cross-cultural communication is how to build trust. And that's actually the idea of asking personal questions because in an interview, because Israeli build trust by building relationship. Um, so if they ask you a personal question, then you have your own choice. If you're not going to answer, right, then I can assure you that you're not going to get the job. So, right. so, in that, so that example, but what is it that's going behind the scenes? What is, what is the underlying? Because... I think that a lot of ulim or a lot of internationals, when they come here to Israel, they go to an interview and there could be a question like, are you single? Are you married? Um, again, it's a question that is not really allowed to be asked, but it's, it's, it is being done or it's a, it's a, you, you cross a personal space. And then um, the ulim or the international will just kind of like um, uh, a- answer in a way that, that can, can be reacted and can be perceived as a little bit aggressive or closed. But what is right. happening under this service? Basically, this is a cross-cultural th- meaning, right? I think it is a cross-cultural. But if you want to be kind of build relationship and yeah. get the job, but still you don't want to answer, you can you can smile and you can say, well, you know, I'm still single or I'm at the beginning of something. But, you know, it's not really, I mean, I mean, when I work, I'm absolutely into my work. You can kind of smile, answer something, but jump into a different topic that you feel more comfortable in. Mm. Instead of reject that and say, well, why, why are you asking? Meaning that's the end of the interview. Try to be more polite for your own. I mean, mm. if you want the job, just think about that and forget about the rudeness. Just mm. smile and keep on, you know, keep on the topic. And remember that it doesn't, it's, they're not asking because there's, it makes a difference whether you're married or not married or single or not single. 
It is just because they want to build a relationship with exactly. you. Exactly. And I think that's the main point that people feel they're on at a test now. And it's a test question. Right. What the right and answer. What the right answer is. And then they get, uh, beside the fact exactly. that they feel it's an intrusion to their personal space, but it's just a continuation of the talk that you only have happened with just a person that passed up. Yeah. Just a small talk. Yeah. We don't speak about the weather. We don't speak about any football game. <laughs> we speak about your personal life. And if you're nice to us and we can communicate, good. We can keep on talking about your profession, about you being professional in what you do. But being nice and, and building a nice discussion, it's it's inseparate part of the interview. Mm. Exactly. So they're also testing if they like you, by the way. Right. If this is someone I want to meet at the water cooler the next day. Exactly. Exactly. If you culturally fit in. Um, so when you're taking formality... Um, again, into uh, these characteristics, into then the way that Israelis do business with foreigners. Mm -hmm. So, uh, how is it that usually, like this, as you say, usually when there's a business meeting, so there's first of all, usually there's a lunch before, and uh, whether you do it in the US, do it here, okay. interaction, and then afterwards come this. So, what are the how let, this... let's see if I got the questions right? So, yeah. let I, I remember when I used to live in the United States. And let's let's say we have frame time for lunch. Mm -hmm. Normally in lunch or dinner or what's say coffee time, people will not speak about business. So there is a, a, a separation between what we're going to speak at work. And again, we mentioned not to speak about personal life. So we're not going to mention personal life while we're at the office. But when we are out for lunch, we're not going to speak about business because it's going to be just a small talk. Um, in Israel, everything is blended. It's it's all mixed. It's just about the flow of the conversation, if it's nice to us or not. We mm. can speak about business and it's going to be nice. And mm. we can speak about our personal life and it's going to be nice or nicer. It depends. But it's all about the rhythm and the flow of the conversation. And in the US there, are no, there are no rules regarding that. Okay, which makes it difficult. Like, well, when someone international comes here, when well, he's in a lunch, he doesn't really know what can he, what can he. But basically, just, I, I just found it. It's easier. liberating. It's liberating. Exactly, I found it uh, liberality and, and and easier that you can just be concentrate on the conversation and not again. People are not judging you. There is no there is no right or wrong. There is something that is right for now for the conversation. Right to us. As, as a couple that speak or as a, as a group of people that, that collaborate, what is good for us? So, so the, 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 the currency of building trust for in Israel with Israelis is basically to be very open about your personal space. That's what you're saying in that sense? For me, it is. Yeah. I mean, for me, it is. In in many other countries, they are much more task oriented, meaning that they will get you to work because you are a professional in what you are doing. In Israel, they will get you to work, of course, because you are professional in what you are doing. But it's not enough. We need to build trust. We need to build relationship, and then comes the situation when they ask you personal questions, mm. and this is sometimes even more important. So how does this, uh, again, I'm taking the same characteristics and putting it in a different context. And that is what is much happening here in Israel is the whole uh, going to meetups, going to small conferences and meeting offline networking, as I call it, which 
um, compared to where I come from in Denmark, uh, it, this is not such a crucial thing for finding jobs, for getting business relations. You just send the CV online. You send the CV online. If you're the best candidate, you'll, you'll get an interview. Uh, right. If you really have a great uh, thing. And, and if not, you'll definitely automatically get an answer that you were not in consideration. It's not going to be here in Israel. You don't you send a CV. And I, at least me, I never tried to get an answer they directly always through someone so, who, so it's who very important one. in israel i mean we're a small community people want one people know mm. one another so if there is a pile of papers with cvs but then a friend of yours will call you and say listen do you see yoni's cvs in your on your uh, on top of your table I said, well, I know I have hundreds of CVs, or you know, uh, and then well, you should look for him. He's a very nice guy. I know him from, let's say, from the army. I learned with him at the university, or I just met him in in, in a meetup. Then she will do that for because she knows she can. There is an extra value for that. She knows she can trust her friends, so she can trust the 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 that specific person, and she will invite him. To the interview, then it's on your own to build trust. But you got the beginning, you got you got a chance. And you got from an average CV to an, a CV that was added some right. personal value to it. Exactly. You write about it in your book. Um, you write about it that, uh, yeah, uh, I'm just going to quote from your book. Uh, in Israel, people build trust from their hearts and are more relationship-based, meaning that they play the greatest importance on personal bonds rather than products, prices, or any logical objective factor. Besides doing business with their friends, Israelis would do business with their friends' friends. They'll do business with nice people, people with whom they feel uh, they communicate well. So this is basically this is what exactly, exactly what this exactly. is about. So yes, you quote it, and and it's it's true. What yeah, yeah, yeah. say? We do business with our friends, with our friends' friends, and we prefer. I mean, we trust one another. In that way, it's easier for us. Instead of going, again, we're not so good in the process. So if we can skip the process and just trust you by saying, why not doing it? Yeah. So it's like, so, so that's that. But what about, again, if you, we go to meetups and you have that initial five minutes, small talk discussions with people and you want to kind of build an initial trust. Right. So I remember when, again, when we used to live in the United States, I found my sp- my uh, myself speaks a lot about the weather because actually there were weather over there. One day it was raining, the other day it was snowing, humid, and so on. In Israel, it's not really a topic that really people care. There are maybe two or three days that it's it's a uh, it's uh, there is a lot of rain, so we can speak about it. But otherwise, people prefer to speak about let's say you can speak about food. You can speak about good movie, but it's not enough. Again, it comes to being personal. So you need to find a shared interest with the person that you are talking to, meaning that actually look at the other person's eyes and say, well, Yoni, by the way, do you practice yoga? Do you? I used to do, uh, but then I quit because I didn't have the patience for it. Wow. Yeah. And then I can be interested about why you quit or maybe you do something else. What about Pilates or maybe riding bicycle? But that can be a conversation if we, I mean, I practice yoga so we can find an, a shared interest. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be food, yoga. It can be anything. Again, it comes to, we don't have rules, but it should be from, from deep kind of understanding that we really care about one another or we share interests in any kind of topic. So finding that shared interest. Right. 
Okay. Um, so um, there, there was a there was a last thing I wanted to um, to say that this is again I'm going to quote again from your book, but this is uh, one of my favorite qu book quotes in your your book, and it's also kind of like really under underlines everything we've been talking about. There's a saying in America, as you write, in America everything is allowed until it's forbidden. In Europe everything is forbidden until it's allowed. In Israel everything is allowed even if it's forbidden. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a funny one with a lot of exaggeration, of course. It's not that everything that it's not allowed in Israel, I mean, it's, it's not true. Yeah, of course. But, but, but still, it's about anything that I can think about in our daily life and also in business, meaning that, uh, let's say, you came with a car and you need to park your car. Nobody in Israel parks his car between the lines. It's always it's always a mess, right? Yeah. Um, so there is no certain rules. There is a great book called Border Crossing about two American people that arrived to Israel and they wanted to share their ideas about what's different between rules and guidelines. So they took a coloring book, a kite from a coloring book, and they, and they showed that non-Israelis will color inside the lines, while Israelis will color outside of the lines <laughs> because we have no rules, right? But it's more than that. It comes to improvisation. It's come to entrepreneurial. It's come to uh, think outside of the box. It's come to many good things that we have in Israel. So it's not only about rules or guidelines, but it's also about free mind and, and empowerment and many good things. Creativity. And creativity. So keep that in mind that, you know, if your manager tell you to do something, well, you can do much more than that. So try to enjoy it. This is being a Rosh Gadol. How Exactly. But Rosh Gadol, if we translate to English, is it's big head. <laughs> Sounds that we love ourselves too much or we think that we better than others. But that's not the idea. The idea is that you need to do more at work. A lot of multitasking again. Rosh Gadol. So... Are any of, uh, of the other characteristics that you feel are important for Olim to understand? Well, we spoke earlier about informality and we spoke about uh, improvisational, but also adding a few words about straightforward because I think this is a real challenge. It's not understanding the directness in the Israeli, but more understanding where you are in the spectrum ranking from using a direct st style of speech to an indirect. So, of course, Israelis will be in one corner and then the Chinese, Japanese, and other where they use a very indirect. But in the middle, when you use a diplomatic sentence, like, let's say, uh, I was a bit disappointed that. What the Israelis will understand from this diplomatic sentence? So it's not about translating the language, it's about translating the culture, meaning that Israelis will understand it Literally, word by word. So it's happened to me that people ask me, actually, let's say one of my customers arrived to me with, with a letter, not a letter, with an email that he received from, from somebody abroad. And he said, well, I can't understand what the bottom line in here. There is a real interest or there isn't because it's too long for me with too many diplomatic sentences. So my recommendation is to be very practical with what you are saying. Be very clear, meaning if you are disappointed, say you are disappointed, not a bit. 
right? Otherwise, it's, it's nothing for us. Uh, if you think that the directions of the project, let's say it's good, so say that, or it's not good, be very clear with what you want to other, to other people uh, that they will understand. I have, I have a customer in, in Canada, a CEO, that actually fired an Israeli because he asked him in front of other people in a meeting, what do you think between options of two products? And the Israeli answer, I don't really care. But that was a wrong translation from Hebrew to English because he needed to say, I don't mind which product there are pluses for this project and for the others. But using I don't care in Hebrew, it sounds like lo echpatli, but that wasn't the meaning he really cares about. But again, it's the directness. You need to understand that it's both. It's it's translating it well english is our not second just google lang- translating exactly also. english is our second language you can hear me struggling in english so you can understand how many others struggling too in english so it's translating well and choosing the right words but also very, very being very clear in your message and direct and not leaving anything ambiguous it, exactly yeah amazing Th- thanks a lot osnat um, so I can highly recommend your book. It's it really is one of the 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 best. It's probably the best book I read on this topic here, and it's really a must for everyone doing business with Israelis. Also for Lim Chalashim, who's coming and trying to understand in a business sense what's going on. Uh, so you'll you understand more what's going on in your daily life, working, how your 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 manager is in is uh, communicating with you. It will save you a lot of trouble. It's called Israeli Business Culture by Osnat Lautman. And it can be ordered, of course, um, on Amazon. I or I read. I ordered it from Kindle, um, and um, you can also buy it here in shops. Right, Stematsky. Stematsky, mm-hmm. okay. Um, it's an international renowned book, um, and also so Osna Loudman again is. You can also contact her. Uh, you can visit her website. It's called www.olm-consulting.com, and you can also contact us Osnat by email. Osnat. Strudel, as we call it in Hebrew, we right. um, OLM-consulting.com. And I'll also put all this in the description. And um, thanks a lot for taking the time to give us some good advice, some good expert opinion about these things that we deal with every day and we don't really understand the con- the underlying meaning of, of, of what's know, going on. It's not easy to be in ULA in Israel. And, you know, anyone that need help, I will be happy to share my experience. So thank you very much, Yoni, for this conversation. Thank you. Kef.